Welcome to Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. I'm Jacques L'Amour. We are currently on location in Chicago in one of the many beautiful neighborhoods. And I won't say which one because I don't want to completely reveal (laughs) where our guest lives in case someone's like, oh, I'm going to find that guy. Um, (laughs) Now, our our guest today isn't someone necessarily uh, nestled up right in front of the pop punk scene, but actually comes from the pop punk scene and uh, his current music he's putting out. We're actually kind of diving in the, the, the deeper emo end of uh, things today in the scene. But uh, do you like to go by, uh, obviously you're, you're, you're now known as Oslo, but people know you as TJ. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Horansky Haran- is it Horansky or Horansky? Horansky. Horansky. Yeah. Um, people know from like Sleep on It. Mm-hmm. Um, and what bands were you in before Sleep on It? I was in a, a band from Ohio called uh, Goodnight City Lights, and we just played some like local shows and stuff. Um, but we we recorded an album with uh, Paul Levitt like ten years ago. So that was like my first sort of like okay. foray into. Uh, playing in bands, mm-hmm. and then um, yes, yeah, I started sleep on it in like 2014, and that was just like my uh, main gig. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we'll get into all that. I've but first before we like get all caught up in uh, Oslo's story, let's dive into our pizza today. So we've got Rosati's, which if you're not familiar, if by chance you're not anywhere near Chicago, actually, I was looking on their website today, Rosati's, and they've got like. They've got locations in, I think it's Arizona, which really? I had no idea. I thought this was primarily like a, like a Midwest chain. It's interesting because Arizona, there's so many Chicago expats that like a lot of Chicago chains that you'll only find Chicago are also in Arizona. Portillo's. Uh, Do you think that's because of baseball? It, it, I think in a large part, it's yeah. got to have everything to do with baseball. The, yeah, because I even know like Lou Malnati's has Arizona locations of you know. Totally, yeah. The uh, the Cubs spring training is down there. So we we when we were on, we were on tour once and we stayed around there and in that vicinity, it's just like Chicago Central. There's all the you Chicago. Like, like are this, we are yeah. we in Chicago or are we in Arizona? It's like it's like. <laughs> Chicago, but in the fucking desert. Like <laughs> Arizona is so hot. I don't know how people live there. Yeah, there's like I, scorpions and snakes and stuff. So yeah, that's that's what uh, that's definitely what I don't get either. Is uh, um, I I would be freaked out by the rep the reptile wild. It life. would be a lot to handle. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, so yeah, Rosati's. I got the uh, the dub. I think they call it double crust. Yeah, I got the double dough uh, crust, and your half. You wanted mushroom, onion, and green peppers, mm-hmm. and then I just got cheese on mine. I'm I'm just going basic. 
people nice. are probably booing at me right now for being so basic. Oh, uh, no, it's it, all good. <laughs> Cheese is always good. Oh, man, this looks delightful. This looks good. So do you do you give like a rating? You know, I don't normally, but I'm kind of tempted to. Yeah, um, like, I uh, I know like see the the double what a double crust is that a double roll crust I I already forgot what I said uh, double dough double dough crust I feel like is like what they're known for um, but yeah look at look at this guy it's just if you're actually watching the video version of the podcast um, it's just it's thick yeah that crust <laughs> that crust itself is pretty thick so it's yeah I guess you could almost say this is like their version of it's close to it's close to the thickness of like a pan pizza right Al- yeah almost. it's not deep dish for sure no but closer to a pan because the bottom yeah. crust itself isn't too thick but the outer crust. but it's thicker than yeah a thin crust pizza i feel like that is solid yeah i'm pretty big on uh for some reason i i just love like veggies on pizza i don't mm-hmm. get meat a lot i mean i eat meat but um this is my like standard go-to mushroom onion green pepper it's like my holy trinity <laughs> yeah i mean i uh like i i, I didn't ask beforehand because i wondered i was like does does he not eat meat so i was like i'm just gonna get cheese on my half just in case it's like bro you got, you got sausage and it's like the grease is leaking over. And uh, I like I like sausage and pepperoni, but for some reason it's just like not my go-to. I just prefer like veggie toppings for some mm-hmm. reason. Um, but this is good. Yeah, dig it. So you sparkling you, water, not beer. <laughs> we have consumed beer quite a bit on the show um, before, but not today. Um, I'm just drinking water. I would sparkling water. Yeah, it's a little Um, early. It's it's a little little, early. Yeah, we're we're recording this like like lunchtime. Um, Give us another twenty minutes. That might change. (laughs) I got I got a couple beers in the fridge. We'll see how we feel. Um, so you mentioned Ohio earlier. Mm -hmm. So are you originally from Ohio? Yeah, from Chicago. I was born and raised in Cleveland, and then um, I moved to Chicago to go to school. I went to DePaul University. Okay, and um. I've been here ever since. So, yeah, originally from Ohio. What part of Ohio or what what town? Uh, it's a suburb called Fairview Park in Cleveland, like outside of Cleveland, north uh, northeast Ohio area. Um, yeah, um, my family still lives there. Um, I love to go back uh, from time to time, but at this point, like I consider both Cleveland and Chicago home. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, growing up in in Cleveland, what 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 is being like what are the suburbs of cleveland like because cleveland i always think of the rock and roll music hall of fame Mm -hmm. is there um and what is it's lake erie right which lake is lake erie it is lake erie Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. next to next to cleveland those are just the things i think of but yeah what was it what's the what are the suburbs like there versus like suburbs here in, Um, in chicago it's interesting. It's it, it's just a smaller city, but it's still a big city. It's just not as big as Chicago. Um, but the when I was like in high school and growing up and stuff, it was interesting. I I went to a like a private Catholic all boys high school. Oh, dude, me too. <laughs> really? <laughs> For high school, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that those 
there was like a couple really big like uh, Catholic school high schools for boys and girls. There's like two for the guys and two for the girls. And anyway, I went to one of them and it was a really big like um, jock culture, which is interesting. And I played sports and that was fine. That's like the stereotype of Catholic schools or maybe just prep. Yeah. Schools in general. Is there was a big emphasis on um, athletics. athletics. Yeah. Which was fine, but I, I, and I enjoyed playing sports, but I didn't really care that much. It was just fun for me. Um, but I had this other side of like <clears throat> music and wanting to like start a band and play guitar. And it was a little bit like, um, it just wasn't that common in my high school, but I was able to find like my group and my, my people and we started our band, but it was interesting cause I, it's a lot different than. I f- like a lot of people I talk to from Chicago, how they, how they grew up, like my fiance, where she went to high school. She's like, everybody was in an emo band. That's true. Nobody was in an emo band. So I kind of had to like find my own like space, you know, I guess within that, that scene and community. Um, well, it's no wonder why your um, debut record for Oslo is so emo because <laughs> no one <laughs> in your high school wanted to start an emo band. Yeah, so it dude. just made you extra emo, extra, <laughs> extra Yeah, sad. dude, um, that's why I've been writing emo music for the past 15 years. Um, and being such a, <clears throat> a minority, it really does something to you, especially in high school. Yeah, it's sort of like, I I got along with everybody, but didn't really fit in anywhere. So I was kind of feeling like the other, in a sense. Yeah. And I feel, I think it's just kind of like something that has has kind of stuck with me, um, always of like, where do I fit in to all of this? You know, and people want to like, um, categorize, you know. Oh, that's a jock. Oh, that's like a, you know, it's like very black and white, but I was like yeah. very all over the board. Um, so like with social cliques and stuff in high school, it was like, it was just, it was weird. I was like, I fit in with everyone, but didn't fit in exactly anywhere. Um, but I prefer it that way. So I don't know. <laughs> I know I always appreciated the, oh yeah, sorry, man. I, I always, uh, appreciated the, uh, like the cool jock that would um, also be into punk rock, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. And you're like, oh, or like that jock is cool. Like I can, I can actually talk to him and have a conversation with him. That's not about football or it's about soccer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you could talk to him about music and he was down <laughs> for it. I think it, people are way more interesting when they have, different interests and you can talk about different things with them. Um, and I actually, I teach a couple days a week at a school of rock. So I have like students who are like learning or playing in bands, learning instruments who are also in high school and they also play sports. But I see that with these kids and they're like, yeah, I like sports, but I love music and I love like punk rock and stuff. So it makes me happy to see that because I feel like those people end up, you know, growing up to be uh, more well-rounded, mm-hmm. just have different interests. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more of that going on now with almost every, what well, there's, I guess one, one or two generations under us at this point, obviously one for sure. But mm-hmm. 
I think we're seeing more of things being mixed than ever before. For sure. You know, and from, from all different aspects of music to, I mean, pretty much anything you can think of. For sure, like it's um, not as like kind of what I was saying before as categorized as maybe it used to be. It, there's very much a spectrum of everything from, you know, sexuality, gender identity, interests. Like I think that is maybe a positive of um, like a, a bigger social media culture than like when I grew up and probably you did too mm-hmm. at, in high school and stuff. Like there was – my space, but like, it's not nearly the same as it is now. But I think there's like a flip side to that of like being so like tuned in that it just can really affect your mental health. Right. It's like there's people can become more accepting and you find that there's other people are going what you're going through, but there's also like more, um, I don't know, more opportunity to sort of get lost in all of it. Excuse me, as I'm <laughs> Yeah, we do that a lot on this podcast, <laughs> so that's that's all good. But yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I feel conflicted most days about social media. What do you do to keep yourself grounded from what you're talking about? Because we all, I know we all kind of, go, I know I go through it. I think everybody does. You know, I, yeah. it, you just, one minute you're you're feeling good. Um, you, you check your phone, then you notice like so many minutes go by, maybe like five or 10 minutes. Next thing you know, you're just, you're just scrolling. Yeah. But why? Mindlessly. But yeah. why are you? Yeah. Mindlessly yeah. scrolling. Why? And you're like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. but, and then sometimes you can't stop mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, what, what is this? <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of an addiction for sure. Like I was just talking about this on, uh, podcast last night like especially for creative types whether you're a musician or you run a podcast or something it's like part of your livelihood and what you're doing is like you have to be like visible and present and that means posting on social media but the way that these platforms are set up it's like you have to keep posting to get any sort of traction and then you get bummed out like when things don't hit the way that you think so it's just kind of this like cycle that for me, the way I deal with it is like, you know, just taking breaks. Like, and for me, that, that'll usually mean like just deleting stuff off my phone because if it's there, like I, I just, I had, it's like an addiction sometimes. And I, yeah. and it's like, you have to like just remove that app from your phone for a while to sort of just be more present, which is something that I feel like I've been working on and kind of ties into like the record. I'm just trying to be, more present and not like living in this like fake world that's (laughs) not real life. Mm -hmm. But, but in your, I think that's part of it is that eventually you spend so much time in it that it becomes the reality, even though it's, it's not. It can, and it does for some people. And that's kind of like a scary place to be. Um, Cause it really is like removed from any like sort of like, reality or what actually matters or being what I was just saying, being like kind of like present in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, my cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we're still good. So I guess, so fast forward a little bit. So you finally find some, some people to form, uh, an emo band with in 
in the Cleveland area, right? Did that come in high school or did that come after high school? That came in high school. Okay, it must have because then, right, because then you came to Chicago mm-hmm. from, to go to DePaul, right? Yeah, so that, that came in high school and we did some like Battle of the Bands and stuff and we were pretty good and I, I kind of kept, I kept playing with those guys. And where did you find, like, did you, how did you find them? Because you were just talking about how, you know, you were kind of like the lone wolf. Yeah, well, they did. They did go to the same high school as me. And one of okay. them is, I mean, I'm still friends with all of them. And they're yeah. great guys. And um, uh, Riley, our vocalist, is like still one of my best best friends. Um, so I was able to, you know, find these guys at school. And we did some cool stuff and played some good shows. And we kept, we played, like, kept playing throughout college. I would come home and we'd play shows, like, over, I don't know, winter break or something. And it was fun, but I knew that I wanted to, like, give it a real shot and like go on tour. And they just like, didn't have the same sort of like life plans, which is totally fine. You know? So we did, we did our shows when we, when we wanted to, but I was always like, kind of like looking for other people to start jamming with. Yeah. Yeah. So then you, you come to Chicago to DePaul for school Mm -hmm. and this would have been about what the, the mid late 2000s or, or is 2010s that was i moved to chicago or 20 in, i guess 20 teens isn't it <laughs> um i moved to chicago in 20 or i got when did i move here 2009 okay actually yeah. yeah so you start what'd you go to school for at DePaul? i can't did you say earlier i majored in um communications and media which oh, okay. is kind of a just sort of a general communications degree. Yeah. Cause so knew, many people do that just cause it's a broad degree and you can kind of go into so many different. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I wanted it to be involved in music somehow. Um, but I also loved writing and I still love writing. Um, so I just tried to take as many classes and be as well-rounded as possible. Um, but I didn't. I didn't have like one thing. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be like a journalist or anything." Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so how did did you? You were one of the original members of Sleep on It. But did you play in any other bands before Sleep on It here in Chicago? Uh, no, not really. So how did Sleep on It come into the picture for you then? Um, I was uh. Uh, working for Alternative Press actually at Ride Fest in like 2013, doing like street team stuff, and then I met Jake, our guitar player, and they they actually already had kind of like a band going with uh, Luca our drummer and John our original vocalist, but they kind of had some other rotating members. And then yeah, so I met Jake, and I think he posted something on Facebook, and I was like, yeah, I'm looking for people to jam, too, and so that's kind of like where that started and how we found each other. So, yeah. And yeah. obviously, you know, from that time on, uh, sleep on it ran until 20, the, the beginning of 2020 mm-hmm. be- beginning middle mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Uh, there's a lot of experiences in there. Sleep on it did quite a bit of stuff, uh, mainly, uh, in the U S I know there was what there was a UK. You played slam dunk. I think is what we it did was. play slam dunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah, going from 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 sleep on it, and then going to to Oslo. By the way, on the way here, I I, I listened to the Oslo record, and then I listened to Pride and Disaster, and it was just it made me once again realize 
It's such an underrated record. Pride and Disaster is. And Oslo is fantastic, mm -hmm. um, by the way. But um, it's just, it's too bad more people haven't heard Pride and Disaster, in my opinion. Like, to me, it's just a, a great mm -hmm. record. Um, so, you know, Sleep on It ends. Is, uh, is that when Oslo starts coming together? Or did that kind of that start had, before then? Yeah, that had kind of, like, been um something that i wanted to do and had been writing songs for for years before that um i love like writing pop punk music and, and pop rock or whatever you want to call it and when jake <clears throat> by the way i should mention jake was on the podcast in 2020 in the beginning like right when the pandemic was going crazy and i remember if i remember correctly he was talking about we were, I think we were talking about Pride and Disaster, and he was saying how you actually did a majority of the, the writing, I think, as far as music, like the, the music part of, yeah. of that record went. Yeah, I was always the primary songwriter for the band, um, and especially that album, yeah. Because we were like um, on tour so much before that that we didn't really have a lot of time to kind of just like sit down and do what we needed to, so... I ended up writing and and like tracking most of the record myself. Um, but as far as like the Oslo stuff, um, some of the songs that the Genesis was like years and years ago. Now it's just like, it, it's just a different side of my musical interests. Um, the more like indie folky acoustic -y stuff. Um, it's just a big part of what I really like listening to what I like writing. Um, so I'd always kind of had this like goal to just make my own, do my own record. And then when COVID hit and everything shut down, I finally had the time to like sit down and like learn how to record and learn how to mix and do all that. So it was sort of this, like, um, I just did it for myself and wanted to, to prove to myself that I could do a whole record and write it and record it and do everything myself. And, um, it was, was it in this, a apartment or yeah. a house it was in here. the my studio oh, over okay. there yeah i did awesome. everything um so it was it was a cool journey i mean i learned a lot learned a lot about myself um like i said it was something that kind of took place over almost like two years writing and recording and um so yeah I love the 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 some of the ambiance you threw into the record as well, wasn't? Isn't there uh, like locusts or is it locusts or cicadas that are present? Cicadas, yes. Cicadas, yeah. So a lot of the like, um, uh, I guess sort of like soundscape stuff or whatever is all uh, voice memos from my phone. And as the year was go that year was going through, I just I knew I was writing this record, and I wanted like this like atmospheric element to it of like being in a certain place at a certain time. And, um, so I had, I just had a ton of like voice memos of just kind of like atmospheric stuff going on at, that sort of ties into the story that's being told really. Cause that the album is kind of like a story of that year. Um, of, of the first year of COVID. Yeah. And I mean, you had to deal with a lot and of course a lot of people did. Um, I mean, not everyone, for you, like COVID hit, and then it wasn't long after that, sleep on it is done. Mm -hmm. So it's like, 
well, damn, <laughs> you know, what, what do I do now? Yeah. And it's like, well, can't really do much because the world is on fire yeah. at, at this point, you know? So it's like, I guess I'll sit alone in my bedroom and write songs. Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. It was a lot of soul searching. Um, and that's really like where the, um, the essence of the album came from. It's a pretty like isolated feeling album and that's intentional because that's how it was written and recorded. Um, so what's the, 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 you had mentioned the story being told is kind of landscaping that whole year. So what was, where does that story start? Does it start a little bit before the pandemic or is it? It starts, I would say pretty much right when the pandemic hit and you know, it was just, everything was just so uncertain. Like the world just shut down and it was like so frustrating and completely out of your control. So you're like trying to like make sense of all this stuff that is just like beyond your control. And I've always had a hard time with things that happen beyond my control. Cause I, I don't know, maybe it's just the flaw in my psyche, but just like being able to like, control your own destiny and it's like really hard to come to terms with sometimes of like things that these things that just happen and you're like what do i you know like what am i supposed to do about this um so that story started definitely like when covid hit and everything the world just like shut down so so what were some of the uh <clears throat> so what were some of your realizations that were coming into your mind when everything stopped, what were, as, as you were writing the Oslo record or songs or recording it and putting it together, I'm sure some of it, it, it sounds like some of it was actually maybe some ideas you had from some years back and you just kind of like revisited mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. So, um, what were, where was, where was your mind at? I think, what, or what, were, what, what, what was coming to your, your mind? I, I know you said the world coming to an end and all that, or not the world coming to an end, but everything just stopping right. so quickly. What were some of those realizations coming to your mind, especially with that change? And then, you know, pretty much that, that sleep on it change going too. I, I mean, it was a lot of like, what should I be doing? Who am I? Like sort of like identity crisis mode. Um, you know, trying to figure out like how to, it, I mean, I was going through a tough time with my girlfriend. Now my fiance, like was like, I have to, you know, prioritize the, the things in my life that I need to right at the same time her her dad got really sick and, got, and was diagnosed with cancer and it was just like all these things so it, it was like trying to figure out like who am i what do i want what do i where do i go from here and it just being like i i don't you know i don't know the next move so um that's kind of like where the mindset was, but I, I had this interest in like just learning more about, um, 
music production. I knew no matter what that it's something that really interests me and I'd want to pursue. So that's when I started down the rabbit hole of like learning how to like mix and like do all this, all this stuff from home. So when, uh, when you started to get into that, um, what were, what were some of the first things you worked on and what were some of those learning curves? <laughs> Sorry, as I'm still shoveling pizza. No, no, you're all good. You're um, all good. It's just, there's so much and it can become so overwhelming. Um, so I think it was, and I also get really impatient with myself when I don't know how to do something really well right away. Same, <laughs> same. Here, it's just, man. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a flaw of my, my character, but, um, it was just having to have that patience, but pretty much right away I was, I started working with people and, um, I had some clients put their like trust and faith in me. And that kind of was like, it kind of made me feel like, okay, cool. Like I can do this, you know? Um, so it, like anything to get really good, you, it's just patience and a, you just got to put in the time. Um, so I felt like, you know, I had this background in like songwriting and performing and like recording and stuff, but being on like the, the engineer side of it, producer side of it, um, sort of forced myself to put, to put myself in like a different mindset. Especially since you couldn't just at that time, you're, you're kind of starting to explore that route. Um, it, it was right when the pandemic was going on. So it wasn't like you could just, you know, call any studio in the area or any engineer that you knew and been like, Hey, can I come over and take, you know, yeah. like shadow you or, you know, just watch how you yeah. work or because they weren't working either mm -hmm. and we weren't going, no one was going anywhere. So something that I discovered was, um, this like a uh, community, um, called, uh, URM Academy, which is basically like, they do this thing called nail the mix where they have these really great producers and engineers on who like mix like really well-known songs. Um, like they had, um, Andrew Wade come on and do like a day to remember song. Oh, that's they, cool. They had, it's a lot of like metal and like mm -hmm. sort of pop punk, but I discovered this and like, you know, basically enrolled in this, like whatever program, I guess you would call it. And they would have these video sessions where you could watch these producers mix a song from start to finish. And it's like, a lot of guys I've, I've recorded with that I know personally, but are also some of my favorite engineers and just like watching them do their thing and go through their like mindset, like that changed the game for me entirely. Cause it was like, it lifted that like veil of, of mystery a little bit of like, what should I be focusing on? What should I be like investing my time and money in? what sort of software was sort of equipment. Um, so yeah, once I, I guess kind of invested in that, like, I guess invested in the knowledge of how to do things. Um, that was a, I feel like a really big turning point for me. What, what were some of the things that you discovered were actually the important thing? I know with like myself with like podcast gear you think about, oh man, like there's this new piece of gear I really, really want. And it's like, yeah, but do you need it? Do like, you, do you, <laughs> you know, right. So 
And even if it's like, I have the money to do it, it's like, if you're trying to like scale a business, it's like you have to prioritize and it's hard to, it's hard to know, like how much should I be investing on more gear? How much should I be saving? Like whatever. Um, but I think for, for what I was doing, it was like just, just investing in a good microphone, investing in good speakers and good headphones. Um, like, and then like a good, uh, interface. It's like, just like these, like the basic things that you need. And it's so easy to like go on and spend all this money on plugins and shit that like, you <laughs> feel like you feel like there's it's so gonna, many of them. There's so many, but, um, and you know, they're marketed in a way where it's like, yeah, you think it's really going to change the mixing game for you. And it's like, it changes it like 1%. Whereas if, you, if you just take that take that and invest in like actually just learning the trade and the skill that is good. That's what's going to make the difference. Um, so it's actually, it's more or less not using a plugin where it's got a bunch of presets and versus actually like learning where to set those settings yourself. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Presets, (laughs) it's an okay place to start, but it's almost never like it's a one and done thing. Like you have to know what you're listening for and those presets are not, are designed for uh, somebody else's um, style, uh, what, the, whatever they're working on. It's like, it's not a one size fits all. So um, it, for me, it was like, if you can get a really good understanding of like EQ and the EQ spectrum and like where things should be cut and boost and then, um, just learn how to like balance, right. And like compression, if you can like understand those things, like you can get a, a really good sounding mix without having to spend any money on plugins. Like, um, I believe it. Cause, but it's easier to buy like this, like new shiny thing. Oh yeah. You're, like it's going to make it sound sick. I like, do it. <laughs> I do that like constantly. I find myself like I catch myself like almost diving into that rabbit hole or I have dove into that rabbit hole before. So yeah. I, I totally get what you mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Oslo, I, I hate to ask the stereotypical name, but I mean, you, since you're kind of re at this point, you're kind of reintroducing the world uh, or you are reintroducing yourself to the world as I guess what I mean as Oslo, where does the name come from? What, what's, What's the is because that's also it's Norway, isn't it? Or it's a isn't that a a a, a city? It's in, a city in Norway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've never been in Norway. Uh, <laughs> never been to Oslo. Um, I went back and forth on a lot of different names, and and picking a project name sucks. It's, it's so hard. Yeah. You're like, well, how come not just your name? Is it because? <laughs> um, I just didn't want to. I don't know. I just don't have, I feel like some people have like great stage names. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I just wanted a project name for yeah. whatever. Um, and it was actually a, a band name that, uh, my friend John came up with once and didn't end up using it, but I always thought it was kind of cool. It is cool. Yeah. Um, and I thought it, I don't know, it just somehow captured more of like the vibe of what the music I was trying to make somehow just kind of felt right. Um, and then I realized later that if you switch the letters around and spell solo, so I was like, oh, that's, oh man, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that kind of worked out. Yeah. Cause but, I mean, you literally, except for 
obviously the uh, the the female vocals. You did everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, shout out to uh, Molly Gr- Greenhouse. Uh, Green- Molly Green- Coleman. Coleman. Yeah. I don't know where I got Greenhouse, but <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was that's a cool name too. <laughs> it does. I'm, I'm giving you a, a new name too, Molly. Um, but uh, so I always I always try to ask this question on the podcast um just because i'm always curious to know what everyone's listening to these days what what are some um some artists you've been getting some newer artists that you've been getting into whether it's pop punk or not i mean we were just talking about before uh we got on mic about how much we both love yellow card so <laughs> and yep. we're we're stoked that that they're back yep yeah uh, i love that band honestly dude like my listening habits are so boring because I listen to like podcasts like ninety percent of the time. <laughs> hey, and you're on one. Yeah, right now. <laughs> dude. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. Like when I'm driving around, it's like even when I'm working out, my girl, my girlfriend thinks I'm a psycho because I listen to podcasts while I work out. But I, I don't know. I think it's maybe because most of my day I'm like working on music or I'm teaching music. Well, that makes sense. So then it's like. You've I don't want to. Yeah, had enough of of music. Yeah, yeah. and but, I and I enjoy like learning things and i enjoy like good stories and there's so many good podcasts now well-produced podcasts yeah but absolutely um i I did recently discover an artist called daywave um that they've they've been around for a bit but i just discovered them and i like am in love with this album that came out like five years ago i'm really bad about like keeping up on like new new music that's coming out but well i mean i i guess since you do spend the majority of of your time working with you know, artists, musicians, songwriters, and things like that. Who's someone that you've worked with recently where you're like, man, I'm just really digging this song or this, this hook has really caught my attention. Um, there's a, a Chicago band called long gone. They're a pop punk band actually. And I produced and recorded a, a acoustic EP for them recently. Um, and I think they're really talented, good songwriters and just like great guys. Um, so I would say they're definitely worth checking out. Um, then I actually am working with uh, uh, this kid from Italy right now uh, who goes under the name Hinkfuss, I think. But it's sort of like um, kind of like chill wave indie, like, yeah, indie rock, I guess you would call it. And he's awesome. I really like the tunes. So, um, yeah, th- th- that's a couple that I've been working on re- recently. And so are you, are you, how, how you, how do you work with, uh, these people from all over the world. What are you on a couple different websites or you just happen to run across them somewhere else or? Um, most of them are on a platform called Fiverr. Okay. Like, I wondered, I was going to ask if you were using Fiverr. Or, yeah. Fiverr has been yeah. pretty great. Um, I've met like, a, or I've just like have gotten a ton of work from there and met a ton of clients. And sometimes it translates to like working out off, like outside of the platform. Yeah. Um, but that's how, yeah, that's how I've started working with a lot of them. And then other clients were just like friends or just, you know, people I know from like the community, local community. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, usually I know uh, people that they'll start out on Fiverr and then uh, that one customer they had from Fiverr, they'll get like a bunch of recommendations just from that one that one person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's a lot of like repeat business too, of like the same yeah. clients who really like working with me, keep coming back. So it's like maintaining those relationships is really important. Um, 
but yeah, that's like, it's a, it's a part of, you know, the work that I get, but it's been really like, been really great and helpful. And so, yeah. Is it mostly like mixing work that you're doing or are you doing songwriting with? Uh, mostly mixing. I have done some like original songwriting for clients. Like, uh, I wrote a song for a pop punk band from Japan uh, a few months ago. (laughs) Yeah. That was super cool. Um, and then, um, I do, I do songwriting for people that that hit me up. If, um, a lot of times it's like, uh, they want a song written as like a gift to somebody. Okay. So I help somebody write a song for like their, uh, daughter and wife for Christmas. And right now I'm working on a country song for a friend of mine for his, uh, wedding. He's getting married in July and he wants to like give his girlfriend like a song. So he had sort of like a vision and lyrics and then I'm um, like writing the the music and instrumentals for it. Yeah. Awesome. Oslo goes country. Oslo actually does that could actually go very well as a as a country. Good. Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah, I don't know, whatever. I don't listen to a ton of country to be honest, but um it's fun to me to like explore different genres oh, sure. and like try different sounds and I bought a guitar slide. I've never had a guitar slide before. So, you know, it's a cool challenge. I enjoy it. I just enjoy the songwriting process. It's my favorite thing to do. So to kind of push, push myself out of like this, the same uh, four pop punk chords has been cool. (laughs) Well, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's nice even just with doing Oslo to do some more experimenting, you know, because obviously it's it's a big it's a big difference compared to what you've done the last ten or you know fifteen yeah. years. And when I go back to like writing more pop punk songs, which uh-huh. I know that I will, um, <laughs> I I think I'll be able to bring in these like different elements, and it'll just you know improve the style that I originally kind of like grew up writing. Yeah, you know, so you kind of like incorporate different elements and sounds what are your favorite elements of of a pop punk song what are the elements that that hook you in um or when you're writing a pop punk song um that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) not to put you on the spot but i just thought of that yeah i mean i'm a guitar player so like um good guitar tones and just like cool guitar parts more than just you know bar chords and octaves it's like you can do something interesting um guitar wise a cool lead or something that was what i always enjoyed writing a lot yeah and i mean pride and disaster from sleep on it it's just guitar work is just all over the place it's incredible yeah um yeah that was a that was a fun one to write and um yeah so like guitar work and then you know just like strong vocals like um yeah i don't know uh <laughs> good melodies honestly uh drums are a big thing for me like how the drums sound can really like make or break a like a production for me what uh, did you do for drums for oslo um they're uh they're like midi drums okay. that i like you know recorded and mm-hmm. and just mixed um yeah there's uh a lot of great software out there for getting really good drum sounds and uh, i used one called get good drums um 
And yeah. I think you got good drums. Yeah. <laughs> I think that if they stand to their... <laughs> that's not false name. advertising. It's, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. It's true. They're good. Yeah. That yeah. sounded sounded real to me, so... Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. some you listen to and you're like, oh, man. You're like, you just know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's another... I, I just think, like, um, is, is becoming more common where it's like there's... It seems like it's almost less bands and more like one person band or like yes. one person people like putting out these like rock albums but it's just one person it's one person yeah and i think part of that is the ex, uh accessibility of like really good sounding drums and um virtual instruments and stuff where it's like you can make like a full really awesome sounding recording at home for little to no money compared to like having to rent out a studio and stuff um, so for this project, it just, it worked, it made a lot of sense and worked out really well. I still love the studio experience and like recording real drums, but. Plus you don't have to argue with like four other people. You can just right. have arguments with yourself. Exactly. You're already, you're already going to have. <laughs> that that is a vicious cycle, have. dude. Yeah. I will argue with myself all goddamn day long. Yeah. And then there's, yeah, no one to bounce an idea off of. It was. Uh, it has its its pros and cons for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. The, the, what you just said, the bouncing ideas off. That's the part that that is really hard about being a solo artist. And that's when obviously you you get your contacts out, and you're like, okay, who who do I always, do I trust enough to? Yeah, who do I always have a great conversation with? Yeah. And you know, so yeah. Um, so yeah, a debut record by Oslo. Available everywhere. Is it on Bandcamp? Um, it will be. It will okay. be in okay. like the I next know couple days. I yeah. know it's on streaming. I like literally just came out like th like three days before we recorded yeah. this interview. So. I, I was just talking to some about this last night. I I kind of forgot about Bandcamp because I was like, okay, let's get on Spotify. Right, you think it's right. like, oh shit, I have to put that on Bandcamp. So yeah. I don't know when this this will come out, but probably by the time that it does, it'll be on available okay. on Bandcamp. So cool. Yeah, awesome. Anything else you want to plug? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, if people want to work with you in any capacity or I don't know if you're going to be doing any shows as Oslo or nothing planned at the moment. But, um, yeah, I'm still like, uh, you know, doing mixing and writing and whatever. So people can find me, uh, TJ Haransky on socials, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and yeah, reach out if, you know, if you want to work together or whatever, but, um, yeah, no, no shows planned at the moment, but I think it would be cool to try at some point. Yeah. At least one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it'll be interesting cause it was, the album was written and recorded, not with the live show in mind at all. So right. it's like that every song is a different tuning and like some are full band, some are acoustic. And I so. think that's what I liked about the Oslo record so much is that every song is really its own animal. Yeah. There's, you know, but it obviously flows well together, but you can tell just by listening to the song, it, it just, everyone has such a different approach to it. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of something I was, I wanted to go for. I thought it was kind of cool and interesting. Some of the songs are like, uh, the original demos that I was planning on re-recording. And then I was like, I don't think re-recording this is going to capture what I did with this demo. So I just kept it the demo. One song is a just a literal voice memo from my phone. So, 
I'm glad you kept that in mind for, especially when it comes to emo music, right? It's all about, I feel like true emo music is all about raw emotions. Yeah. So if you've got, if the, you know, the demo completely cuts that off, you know, or uh, does the job, then just keep it. Yeah. And for this style, it, it, it made sense and it worked out like, I guess it'd be different if it was like a big pop punk production, but that was kind of like a cool thing to experiment with is like more like Mm lo-fi, very like uh, intimate sounds and recording. So awesome. Well, thank you again, uh, TJ Oslo for your time. And the pizza was awesome. And I loved, uh, I love your place too. Thanks man. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out Rosati's. (laughs) Shout out Jacques for having me. You're a cool dude. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate I really, you having me on. No, I, I appreciate your time. Yeah. So everyone uh, go listen to Oslo right now. Cheers. I'm a I'm Jacques Lamore. Thank you so much for listening to Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast, which is a Lamore Media LLC production. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Find us on social media at Pop Punk Pizza Pod. And if you want to support the show, you can buy some merch or sign up for our patron program at Pop Punk Pizza Pod. By the way, uh, in our merch store, make sure you use that promo code POPPUNK to get $2 off your order. Our theme song is performed by Krista Makes of Less Than Jake. Thanks so much again for listening. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet you. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza.